Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Stephen. Please take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. I told you uh, that we were going to be going through the book of John, and it will take uh, probably a year to do so because I'm going to take it uh, carefully, slowly. Because I'm not real smart, I need to make sure I'm covering everything just right. But uh, John chapter 1, we looked last week, if you'll remember, at verses 1, 2, and 3, and verse 14. And we saw where our Lord Jesus was called by that fancy word. What was it called in Greek? Logos or Logos, yes. And it means the Word. Thank you, somebody listening. And tonight, uh, today, today uh, by the way, we did have some people come to church last Sunday night. And I apologize uh, that you came and there was no one here. If you want to find me on Sunday night, I'll normally be at Mr. Salsa on Wade Hampton. And, uh, I'll be glad to take up an offering there and uh, we'll hold forth church. Uh, normally a bunch of church members are there from various churches, but anyway, in a moment we'll look at John chapter 1, beginning with verse 4. We'll do a few more verses today than we did last week, but I'm going to begin by talking about one of my least favorite things in the wide whole world. And some of you are too young to even know what this is, but it's taken new forms. They're called chain letters. They used to be fairly common. You'd get them in the mail. And I got a copy of one. I left it at home. But it's an amazing letter. And it says, Dear recipient, if you will send this home to five other people, here's the blessings that will happen in your life. Sounds a little bit something like out of a Joel Osteen production. But, and, and, but if you don't send this home, <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. But if you don't send this on, here's the bad things that are going to happen. And it gives the example of a person who did send it on, and they were blessed with uh, some money that came to them and something. And then here, uh, Joe J. from Cincinnati lost his job because he broke this chain letter. It's been around the world five times. It's just nothing. Oh, but I remember, my friends, years ago when I had concerned church members come to me over and over with a chain letter that said that they were to send this on to five more people because Madeline Murray O'Hare, the famed atheist, now deceased, was petitioning the Federal Communications Commission to outlaw Christian radio. And if we didn't send this on, Curse would be the loss of Christian radio, which some of it would not be a loss. But anyway, uh, if we did, it would save Christian radio. And they would come to me with this chain letter, and I would say, that's not true. It was a hoax from day one. Millions of dollars have been spent on postage and on people at the Federal Communications Commission dealing with this. It's never true. But now with email and now with social media, chain letters have taken on a whole new form. And you are to forward on and you are to um, like, and I don't mean that you do it on Facebook, but you're supposed to send stuff on. Chain letters have taken on a whole new life. Well, why do they have some degree of interest, whether it's in social media, email, or snail mail? It's because they promise immediate blessings. And there's something about human beings that wants immediate blessing. We want those preachers that will tell us if we do certain things, 
will be blessed. I watched a television broadcast yesterday, and this particular guy told me if I would send in $1,000 of seed money, seed money, plant the seed, here's what would happen. And I mean, he just was very clear about it. I did not send in that $1,000 of seed money, so I may have missed out on that blessing. But let me just tell you, what we're going to read about in John 1 is guaranteed blessing. Not in the way perhaps that preacher was talking about. Not perhaps in the way the chain letters and the forwarding of the Facebook posts might be. But it is a blessing that will change you from the inside out. So look with me at this great, great text that tells us of a blessing that will last forever. And it begins in verse 4. We ended verse, with verse 3 last week. But we went down to verse 4 and it says, that it, goes, it goes like this. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not or did not comprehend it. Some say understand it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness. To bear witness of the light. For which all through him, not talking about John, but the light, all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And in my version, it capitalizes H to indicate divinity. In him was so beautiful. The world was made, he was in the world. The world was made through him and the world did not know him. Look at verse 11. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. And then verse 12. And by the way, you mark that. That's our memory verse for this week. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in His name, that's we're gonna. That some of you are new. I'm telling you, we're gonna make it hard to come to church. I'm assigning memory verses. Yes, there will be a test by the Lord someday. He's gonna ask, "Did you memorize John 1? <laughs> okay, maybe not. But I am asking. I'm not demanding, and I'm not gonna embarrass anybody. But I want you to memorize these verses. Last week was, what was it, Susan? John 1 1. In the beginning, you'll say it out loud with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 12 that we're going to memorize simply says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power, the right, to become the children of God, even to those who believe in His name. And then look at verse 13 with me, please. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I pray we'll have open hearts. And we'll be open to the truth today as we see what God says to us here in this beautiful, powerful passage. First of all, I want to tell you that the light is life. The light is life. If you look at verse 4, you will see that He affirms now a new title 
for the Lord Jesus. I told you in John chapter 1, there are seven, seven different titles for Jesus Christ. We've already seen the Word or Logos. Now we see the light. And he says this light was life. He affirmed, of course, that the Logos, the Word, had an active role in creation. He said nothing was made that was made without Him. But now we see another aspect of creative ability as the light shines and brings forth the rightness of God. We now see a new way of creating as God is declared to be life because He is the source and foundation of life. And He ascribes that to who? To the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus, as the personification of God the Father, is the life that we desperately need. And He is described here as the light. He gave light. We know He gives a source of light to the dead soul, life to the dead soul. And He brings the light to our dark paths. And that's why later in John 11 we would study where Jesus could say those words you've heard in funerals. And I love to share them where Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And he who believes in me will never die. Oh, I love those words. Jesus is the life. And that light is that life is described here as the light of God. And I ask you, do you have both natural and spiritual life? Have you seen the light? And do you know Christ? Is He all that you are and all that you want? Now notice to whom He came as the light. In verse 9, it's pretty clear. He says, this was the true light which gives light to, to some men who come into the world. No, He says to every man who comes into the world. He is a light for us all. I love that. He will ne never leave us astray. He will never let us down. I heard the story of an Eastern Christian from China. No, Japan I think it was. Who said, I was in a dark place. I was in the miry clay and I turned to one religion that is around me. And that religion said, if you can just get out halfway, we'll show you the rest of the way. And then he would turn to another religion, and that religion said, life is hard. Just get used to it. And then I turned to Christ. And Christ got down into the pit and picked me up. Oh, my friends, He's the only life that will work. Has He done that for you? He has for me. I pray you'll let Him be the life and show you the light of the way in which to walk. This light is life. Life itself. And I beg of you today to choose life. Now I know that's on bumper stickers and I am a pro-life guy. But I ask you to choose the real life and that's the life of Christ. Choose Christ. Choose life. Well second, I want you to see that the life has an enemy. And here John speaks quite a bit about this darkness that is the enemy of the light. Now, the enemy of God is called by many names in Scripture, and we will see a number of them as we study through the book of John. And we know that light's enemy is darkness, 
It is ignorance. It is misery. And Jesus tried to show people the way. He came to be that light. But he struggled sometimes in getting that light to really break through the darkness. And so he describes here how the enemy keeps many people in the darkness. First of all, he says the darkness does not understand or the enemy does not understand the light. Verse 5. It does not understand the light. Now wouldn't you think that if you got on a street corner, and I've seen street preachers, uh, wouldn't you think that just sharing the gospel, everybody would just say, I want to be saved. And once they hear the truth of the gospel, don't you think anybody would want that? But they don't. Because they don't understand the light. Not everybody understands. And he says here, there is an enemy. And that enemy does not understand. The verb that is used here that is uh, translated in different ways, it can mean overcome, it can mean understand, it can mean to grasp. So the darkness does not grasp it. There's a, a lack of cognitive understanding of the light. It does not understand it. And we know Satan strives to keep people in the darkness. One of the ways he does so is through false fulfillment. And so everybody around us, they're finding fulfillment in a lot of different ways. They don't understand the light that's trying to pierce through the darkness to show them the right way. So they fulfill themselves, the family, through friends, through uh, stuff, through money, through relationships, through whatever it is. But they don't understand that that's not the real avenue to total fulfillment. He does not understand the light. Second, he says, it does not recognize the light. Verse 10, he is speaking specifically here, I think, about the world. It says it did not know Him. And we know His own people, the Jewish people, did not receive Him. They did not recognize Him for who He was. You know, I've often been frustrated when I talk to Jewish friends to say, well, why can't you see that Jesus is the Messiah? I mean, look at everything that He did. He did everything that the Old Testament said the Messiah would do. But they don't recognize it. They don't see the light for what it is. And we know that the Bible says it knew Him not. And the word know in the Bible means more than a, an understanding of an intellectual nature. It means more of a, than a cognitive ascent. It means a heart knowledge. The word know means uh, it's used in the sense of approving or loving. The world did not know Him, not intellectually nor heart love. But why? Ultimately, it's because it did not receive the light. Look at verse 11. He says, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. His own did not re re uh, receive Him or acknowledge Him. We know that the Jews, He was a Jew. And I love to tell people my favorite Jew in the world is Jesus. He came to His own, yet His own did not receive Him. They did not acknowledge Him. God had a right to expect that they would after such a large number of Old Testament prophecies. But yet, the vast majority did not receive Him. They did not recognize Him. They did not understand Him. 
My friends, listen carefully to me. The enemy is still at work today to make sure that people do not understand, do not receive, do not acknowledge the light. And we're seeing the Word of God under assault today like I have never seen in my entire life. We know the enemy is still at work today. His deadly fingers are holding many hearts inside the church and outside the church. And that is why many churches do not preach the gospel because it is a tactic of the evil one to keep people's hearts dull so they will not see the light. There's a lack of understanding, a lack of recognition, a lack of reception. But ultimately, I think one of the biggest problems is what I call the institutionalization of God. There are many people who believe if they can believe in an institution, they have God. But here John is saying it's not about an institution. It's not about a, a, a cultural understanding. It is about a heart relationship. And we're going to come to it in just a moment. For as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God. Oh my friends, the enemy wants to distract us dissuade us. He wants to keep as many people out of the light that He can. And He has done a good job. I've told some of you that silly but funny little story of the sweet little old lady who could never say anything negative about anybody. And men, you always notice that it's always a woman they refer to when, when that kind of story is given. Never a man. Uh, whatever the reason might be for that, I don't know. But this woman, she couldn't say anything mean about it. She wouldn't. She would not say anything harsh about it. So somebody tried to trick her up and said, Man, let me take, let me ask you a question. What do you think about the devil? She thought for just a moment, she said, Well, he's real good at being bad. <laughs> he's real good at being bad. Yes, ma'am, he is real good at being bad. And he has been real good to distract us from a heart relationship where the true light can reveal who we are, what we need, and what God wants in our life. Oh, my friends, the light has an enemy. Now, last and maybe even more importantly, that no, two more. That light must be shared. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. Here John describes the ministry of himself. John the Baptist. John the Baptizer, he is sometimes called. And this light must be shared. And we see in these verses, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this man came as a witness, right? Now what is the word witness in Greek? And why do I teach you things? Because sometimes it connects even with our lives. The word for witness here is the word martureo from which we get the English word martyr. Because many of the early Christians who were witnesses for Christ died as a result of their witness for the Lord. John came as a witness, one to proclaim. He was not the light, but he came to proclaim the light. So he came as a witness. And that is a key word. We're going to see it, by the way. It's used in the book of John as a noun 14 times. As in the verb form, 33 times. And the object of John's ministry was what? That all men, all women, might come to a heart knowledge of the Messiah. He was not the Messiah. 
But he pointed people to the Messiah. Well, I'll never forget, years ago, in another world, another day and time, a little boy stopped me on the way out of church, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'll never forget it. Little four or five year old little boy. Funny little fellow. He looked at me and he said, Are you Jesus? <laughs> I said, well, no, 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 son, I'm not Jesus. He said, Well, do you know him? I said, Yes, son, I know him. You talk to him? Yes, son, I talk to Jesus regularly. Well, I got something I want you to tell him. And so he goes into a tirade about his daddy not using good language. <laughs> now his daddy wasn't there, his mom was there. <laughs> and I said, I'll talk to Jesus about your daddy, son. But you know, son, you can talk to him too. Can I? Yes, you can, son. Well, let me tell you, friends, I'm not Jesus. I'm far from Jesus. I feel like the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners. But I'm here today to proclaim we have a Savior who is perfect. We have a Savior who is righteous. I come to bear witness of the light. Oh, my friends, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English preacher, said, I would propose that the subject of the ministry of this house, and he called the church the house, and that's why if you ever hear Frank Page talk about the church building, I always say the church house. The church is you. And we're now the church gathered. And in about 30 minutes, we're going to be the church scattered. But the church house is going to stay right here. He said, I propose as long as this platform shall stand. I'm at the pulpit. That the subject of this house, and as long as this house is frequented by worshipers, shall be the person of Jesus Christ. He said, I do not hesitate to take the name of Baptist. But if I'm asked what is my creed, I reply, it is Jesus the Christ. Oh, Spurgeon, you were right. We're not ashamed to be Baptists. We're not ashamed to say that we're followers of Christ. But we say we serve a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. So are you a Baptist first? You better not be. You're a follower of Christ first. Always. Well, my friends, that message must be shared. John said, I came to bear witness of that light. Are you sharing Christ with somebody? Dale and I were in the car Friday and my buddy Andy called. Well, someday I'm just going to bring Andy up here so you can meet him. Because I talk about Andy all the time. He's a car dealer friend of mine down in Augusta, Georgia. And Andy's one of my best friends in the world. We talk at least once a week. I got the privilege, the privilege of leading Andy to Christ in 1992 or three somewhere. He was hard. Man, he was hard. His wife started coming and I said, where's your husband? She said, he's not going to come to church. I said, why not? He said, he's not a Christian. And he doesn't make any pretense to be. I said, well, you reckon he'd mind if I took him to lunch? She said, here's his number. Give it a try. So I called him. He was rather cool to me. Rather cool. But I said, Can, would you mind going to lunch with me? He said, what are you going to do? Preach at me? And I said, what do you need preaching to? <laughs> he said, probably. I said, well, I know I'm not going to preach at you. But could we have lunch? And it took a while. It was more than one lunch I had to pay for. I got a day before he gave his life to Christ. And he is one of my dearest friends in the Lord today. 
Well, he called Friday. He said, Frank, I, you need to pray for my friend Pete. Well, I, I know who he's talking about. He's talking about another very successful businessman there. And he and Pete were eating together, and Pete's son was there. Pete's sick. He has an illness. And it's probably going to lead to death. So Andy said, Pete, I just got to ask. He said, are you going to heaven? Are you going to hell? Pete said, excuse me? You heard me. You're not a dumb man. You heard me. When you die, everybody's going to die. I know it's going to die soon, but you know it might happen. Pete, are you going to heaven? Or are you going to hell? Well, he gave the answer to so many. Oh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You, you've got to know, Pete. You've got to know. He said, well, I think I've been a good man. Typical. Typical 20th century and definitely 21st century answer. Well, I think I've been a good man. Andy, being Andy, said, that won't cut it. Pete, I've known you my whole life and you're not good enough. Andy said, Pete, you've got to give your life to Christ. You've got to give your life to Christ. He had to go to the bathroom real quick. He said to his son, Son, someday when your daddy dies, people are going to ask you, did he know the Lord? And son, what are you going to say? Son said, I don't know what I'm going to say. I said, Andy, son, first of all, I'm proud of you. I'm going to pray for your friend. and Don't give up. Don't give up. You see, this life must be shared. As Jeff said earlier, there are so many people in this area. And probably the heaviest church, the most churched area in the United States is probably the upstate of South Carolina. We don't have a church on every corner. we got two or three. <laughs> I passed two besides Battle Creek on my way home three minutes from here. And that's just in one direction. But 70% of people in Greenville County never darken the door of any fellowship. And you know I know it's not about church. It's about a relationship with Christ. Amen. And I'm not saying they're all lost. I know they're not all lost. I know that. But my friends, this light must be shared. Because some of them are They've never heard anybody talk to them like my buddy Andy talked to Pete. Nobody's ever shared with them the reality of what happens when we die. Oh, my friends, that light must be shared quickly. Last, the light must be received. The light must be received. Verses 12 and 13 are clear. That when we bear witness of that light, people can receive that light. Jesus came to His own people Israel, but they could not understand. They had heard His words. They had seen His perfect life and were unable to find the slightest fault in Him. And yet, He gave them every opportunity, but most did not believe. He's the life. And the light of men. And yet they crucified Him. And yet He says, if you would receive Jesus Christ, you will be born again. 
You can receive the marvelous promise of eternal life. Look at it with me, verse 12 again. It says, but as many as receive Him, you must receive Him. He's not going to barge His way into your life. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right, some versions say the power, to become children of God. To those who believe in His name. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. To many as received to those who believed in His name. What a marvelous promise. Well, the light is still shining in 2019. And I ask you if you received Him today. You don't need a chain letter or some silly thing on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. You've heard the Gospel today. And it promises eternal blessing. Eternal blessing. But as many as received Him to them, gave He the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. Who are born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Oh my friends, would you receive Him today? Would you accept Him today? Would you give your life to Him today? And if you're struggling, just let Him be the Lord of your life. I understand struggle. We all do. Let Him be the Lord of every part of your life. Would you pray with me? Father God, in Jesus' name we come. Thank You so much for Your love, for Your Word. Lord, thank You that we can be witnesses of the light. But I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place today that You, Lord, would be the Lord of every part here. <coughs> Forgive us, Lord, for trying to find fulfillment in other ways. But would you be our life today? Oh, Father, we give, the, give it all to you. And ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.